Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Yes, absolutely awesome. I don't know if it's just me. I don't think so because I've heard a few others mention this. Um, my wife and I have talked about it. But does it not seem like this year everybody in the universe, or at least my small universe, is saying Merry Christmas? Have you heard that? I know. It's like something's happened. I mean, really, we've been told eight years to shut up and be quiet and uh, don't say that. It's offensive and all that kind of stuff. But, but something, I, listen, I, I know in the political realms and various things that happen, but I, there's something spiritual that seemed to have happened. I mean, it just is. I mean, I'm in places where, you know, the um, cashier people or the counter people are scary. <laughs> I mean, they're just scary. And they're saying, Merry Christmas. And in fact, you know, through those eight years, we refused not to, and we would just force people to say Merry Christmas. And I thought I would be doing that again this year, but they're beating me to the punch. They're saying Merry Christmas before me. I mean, it's absolutely awesome. And um, this morning's message is probably going to be pretty simple, um, maybe even short, you know, with everything that's, that's going on, which I believe is, is certainly okay. Um, I titled this morning's message, What is Christmas All About? And, and it's actually maybe might take on a little different flavor. You know, I think there's so many things that we do in the name of the Lord to try to be obedient to the Word of God. But I think we, we don't realize the benefits of them. We don't realize the benefits of walking in holiness or walking in righteousness because we're, we're thinking we're just going to work and we're trying to do this and trying to be good or trying to be better. But I believe when you are obedient to God, there are blessings that God pours out on you. I really do. And a lot of times we really don't notice it. Like Christmas forever. Or like saying, Merry Christmas. I don't know if we ever really paid a whole lot of attention of saying, Merry Christmas, until it was kind of not correct to say it. Until they were starting to try to push you and not say it. And various companies not saying it and not putting it up in their stores and, and all that kind of stuff. And then you start really, you know, for you go from attitude to whatever, and you say, oh, tough, I'm saying it. And, and now all of a sudden, after those, those eight years, it, it just seems like the Lord is showing me something else that I really didn't pay much attention to because Christmas and sort of how it would come or introduced into America, you know, through all the various hype that we go through, but I believe that it always reminded our nation about something. Uh, even though Santa Claus and all that stuff tried to push it out in the bottom dollar, you know, everybody lives for the Christmas dollar, but um, there's just something really special about Christmas. And I'm going to show you some things. In fact, I was going to tell you this morning, I have some guest speakers this morning other than myself. Um, one of them will be uh, Charlie Brown and Linus. Who remembers Charlie Brown and Linus? Okay, who, who remembers Perry Como? Who has no idea who Perry Como is? Okay, now look, but listen, now listen, because there, there's a reason for this, because there are things that would happen every Christmas, and now we have probably more people that don't know more people that don't realize or more people that didn't grow up with this or experience this. And so they don't realize what they've missed 
And even when it comes to pericomo, and you'll, you'll see what I mean in a minute because you're going, pericomo. But you'll, you'll see the way America was and how when Christmas season came to America, it kind of marinated or saturated America back into the Lord. It did. Nativity scenes popped up everywhere. In fact, I swear I've seen more of them this year than I ever have. All over the place. In our neighborhood, everywhere we turn, Ruth and I go, look, there's another one. There's one over there. There's one. And it just uh, is kind of awesome. I'm really not sure really even how long that will last or might last in our nation. Maybe it's going to be this great turning around. I, I don't know. But this is kind of maybe a hodgepodge of weighing to present this, but uh, this is what I would like to do. Because really, after living here, who would have thought that in, in my lifetime or your lifetime, we would have to fight to defend Christmas? Whoever thought that? Did you ever think one day, when you're watching your children, when they were little lady, yours ripping through the pen, that one day you would have to defend the right to celebrate Christmas? Or to even say... Merry Christmas. So you can see that this is certainly a supernatural war um, that, that we go through. The world doesn't want nativity scenes around. In fact, they're still trying to take crosses off and refuse to do this and, and, and that. And we've just gone through years of trying to shut us up from simply saying Merry Christmas. But, but why? What the heck do they care if I say, Merry Christmas? Why do they care? Because it's, there's a, a saturation with that for years that would, um, no matter how crazy the life would be, you know, you kind of come November and Thanksgiving and you start thinking Christmas and nativity scenes start to pop up and Perry Como would sing these great songs that most of you never even heard and it would remind you and bring you back. To our king, our newborn king, Christmas. And so in this diabolical evil world that the enemy runs, he don't want you and even myself to say, Merry Christmas. Now just think about it. To me it's one of those situations we don't realize what it does for us until it's systematically starting to be taken away. In fact, the Perry Como song I have for you, um, I didn't hear it this year. So this is what, what happens. And, and I just, this is what is so threatening about Christmas. And this is why you have to fight to defend Christmas in your own way. You're going to the store or in your own household. And so our very first clip, and I'm sure all of you know, uh, the story about Charlie Brown. Um, now this, um, American has, America has always honored Christ through Christmas. Now this, uh, Charlie Brown came out 51 years ago. December 9th, 1965. When I was a sophomore in high school. Alright, 1965. Now listen to the theme of the, the cartoon and the characters. And I know you know it, you probably watched it. Okay, but I want you to understand what, what that has what that did for me while I was growing up. How I heard the message come Christmas time over and over and over through Christmas carols, through cartoons. And they're trying to take that away. So let's watch our little Charlie Brown Christmas. 
clip for those of you who might not know this. Because now we have generations that don't know. There we go. So 51 years ago, our nation, even through cartoons, animated little stories uh, like that, you better stop it, it'll continue to play stuff, um, reinforced 
uh, Christmas in our lives, even as I was, you know, growing up. I, I was in 10th grade. And, and again, telling us the story, the whole reason. When he simply says that, what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And, and our nation, I believe, benefited, and our, our nation was uh, blessed because of that. And we've gone now through years of us it being diminished and diminished and diminished. And I think, like you all responded rather uh, uh, convincingly about, you all hear people saying, Merry Christmas like never before. That, that's something supernatural. God is letting us see, even through people who really don't know. I don't know if that uh, Charles Schultz, I forgot to look it up, if he was a Christian or not, but that is amazing that he would even put that. Back then, it probably wasn't that amazing, but he did. Now look at 1 John 4, 9. simply says this in New King James. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only Son, only begotten Son, into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Okay? And you can see what happens to our world as we get away or they convince people to shun Christmas. We, are, we have this unbelievable divide now in our nation. So uh, Christmas is absolutely essential and important. Let's look at this again. It says, In this the love of God was manifested. That simply means to make visible or known. That which was uh, hidden. He's saying, I want you to see now. I want you to understand that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that you might live. And the only way you can live is through Him. And he goes on and says, In this is love not the, uh, that we loved God. It's not that you loved God. It's that He loved you. Now think of that. Think of who you are and how you are. Now you might think you're pretty cool and pretty good, but the Bible says differ. They're different uh, than what you think of yourself. But God, that He would actually love me and go through this huge plan to redeem my soul. This word propitiation means that He became the sacrifice. You can't have Easter without the Lord coming. Became a sacrifice for you and I. Now, Peter even says something cool to remind us that forget about this Rudolph and Frosty and, and Santa stuff. He goes and says this, For we did not follow cunning devised fables. This is not a fairy tale. This is not a cute little story. Christmas is not about all that little stuff. It's okay if you watch it, you know, and sing those little, little Christmas songs and various things and festive stuff. But God is, these Peter saying, look, we're not talking about some little fable, you see. Some little story that when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of this majesty. This is not a story. This is true. Christmas is true. It's not just Rudolph. That's the world's part of whatever they're trying to do or promote sales probably or the Santa and the Frosty, these maybe... They were even considered wholesome back then, but they, they're saying, hey, we're not of that. We're telling you something we witnessed and seen with our own eyes. That Christmas is true, and the meaning is real, and you and I must fight to keep that alive. Because you can see where there is an attack to take that away. Generations here, possibly here, 
who um, maybe never even seen this Charlie Brown clip or even understood really what this thing is all about. We're getting to that tipping point because people more like my age now that remember. You know, it's like the, the World War II veterans. They're saying, uh, I forget how many are dying a week and there's hardly any left of that great generation. Well, that's because they fought way back in 45. You know, it's almost 75 years ago. And if you were 19 or 20, you're 93 to 95. And so those people are dying and we're losing that great generation and all those stories and memories, which is bad. But it's worse if we let the, the Christmas theme die. And it just becomes a business bottom dollar thing or secular, which they want it to become so bad. Now I'm going to even want, let Perry Como. Now put your hands up again just so I see who's never heard of Perry Como. Okay, there's, there's lots of you. Lots of you. Tons of you that don't know about Perry Como. So listen to Perry Como in his secular song. I'm not even saying he's a Christian. I'm just saying, look, look at me. He was a wholesome American who believed in Christmas and Christ and the birth and could sing. And so he comes out with this song, and we find it, 1953, 63 years ago. Listen to the short song. Maybe even some of you know Perry Como, never heard of this song.
Okay, you Perry Como folks. Who? No, don't fib. Who remembers that song? Isn't that a cool song? I mean, did you really listen to it? It's a sweet... Wouldn't you love to hear that song now? I mean, he... I is for Israel? Oh, Perry. You're going to be hunted down for that. I mean, we just went through a week where our outgoing president just abandoned Israel again. And here they are in a simple secular song when America would bathe itself and accept and embrace Christmas. They're singing, I is for... It's... Christmas is so much more than what you and even I uh, considered or think it to be. And that is why, and that is what Christmas is all about. You mothers, you need to sit your children on your knee and, and tell them, this is, this is what Christmas is about. Yes, that's great that uh, we got these gifts and you're, you're happy to play with this toy. But let's look at this. This is what it's all about. And we can't lose that. We can't let the world take that from us. So Peter goes on and says, For we did not follow cunning devised fables, all these little stories, when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. This is not a fable. These are eyewitnesses. And they're passing this story off to you and I. And then it's passed off to, to my generation and the generations behind us. We played that Perry Como song all the time when our kids were growing up. All the time. I mean, it's just uh, awesome to hear that, which is something we've lost. So Christmas does have a purpose. It does. It, it kind of just reboots us back to Christ and the meaning of life. It's been trying to be taken away from us, but this year we felt a refreshing wind just by saying, Merry Christmas! It's just awesome. I'm just blown away by how simple that works. Luke 10 says, An angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, even if they don't understand. And they're getting into the Merry Christmas! They might not even quite get and know the whole Christian born again, but it's still working on them and permeating through them. This is what they want to shut up, and we can't let them. Which shall be to all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now look, I don't know about you, but in December of 1974, that was my first Christmas that I was saved. Okay, first Christmas that I was saved. I probably saved 20 days. I wasn't saved 20 weeks or 20 years, 20 days. And I heard a Christmas carol that at that point in time, and I, I swore that someone just wrote that Christmas carol that year, and it was just for me. Because we hear things, but we don't hear things. All right? And, but in reality, this Christmas carol was written in 1739. And I swore it was just for me, because I was, I remember saying, look, let's find the words to that. And it, it was uh, in London, England, where it was written, it was written by Charles Wesley 277 years ago. 277 years ago. But to me, it was fresh, and it became alive to those who really know about Christ. And it says this, 
Hark! That, that means listen up. It means pay, pay attention now. Give me your good ear. Hark! The herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Now I would sing those Christmas carols half inebriated, well on my way with Dean Martin and Perry Como and this Italian group that we were with until that one Christmas. It says, Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn king, Peace on earth and mercy mild. Listen, God and sinners reconciled. What? I never heard that. I mean, I probably said, God and sinners, right here, brother, reconciled. But all of a sudden, I'm like, what? God and sinners reconciled? Joyful all ye nations. Rise, join the triumph of the skies with angelic hosts proclaimed Christ is born in Bethlehem. Sinners reconciled. That's when it grabbed me. I mean, by a little pale, someone could just grab me. Because I, I was like, what? My ears that were dull was now hearing a 277, well, not quite that old back then, 230-some-year-old Christmas carol talking about sinners being reconciled. That's unbelievable when you think about the uh, heritage of our nation and what Christmas and how it used to bathe. Who watched uh, The Wonderful Life last night? They put it on again. Okay, they put it on again and played my commercials again. But at the end of that, go, you know, Hark the Herald Angel. They, it's commonly sung all over the place, God's message. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says this, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Reconciled. Reconciled means he's brought us back. We wavered and wandered away. It's almost like that's what's happened to our nation a little bit. I don't know. I'm not trying to give you false hope. But it, it just seems to be, it's almost uh, probably the first time I might be sad Christmas is over. As it, because of all the, Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Merry, hearing other people behind me and saying it, not, having nothing to do with me. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! It's, it's as if we've been... Uh, rebooted or brought back, reconciled with the um, meaning of Christmas. It's just so, and it's been so refreshing. Usually Christmas is so crazy, run, honking horns, running, trying to get this, going through boatloads of money you didn't plan on. You're just, man, most wonderful time of the year is January 2nd. It's all over. But this, it's come back to our nation. It, it really has. Through people, I'm, I'm thinking, listen, I'm thinking ju- just the Christians are, should get it and should understand what's actually going on. We're sure we're not supposed to be ignorant according to the Word of God. But something's even happened to the worldly people. They've, they've caught on to this Christmas thing this year who have been told for years to shut up and be quiet. That's not right. Verse 2 says to that song, Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. I'm like, what? 
I'm, I'm like, Ruth. I mean, I'm, I'm just, a, I don't know, three, four days gone to church on a Sunday when I'm hearing all this. It sounds like Pastor Bender wrote that song to me. I'm like, what is incarnate deity, pleased as man. He was pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel. So the song is saying, God had, uh, see, hell the incarnate, God becoming flesh, God becoming flesh for me, to be able to walk with me, to be able to come and visit me, walking in the flesh. Emmanuel meaning what? God with us. Through this song, 270 some years old, I'm swearing it's brand new. Isaiah 7.14 says this, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and, the, and shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. See, we can't dismiss this stuff. Christmas, Emmanuel, virgin birth, heart, the herald. It, I'm telling you, it marinates in our hearts and our souls. It does something to our nation. They talk about, um, what is it? The serotonin that keeps you sane, I guess, or, or controls your emotions that your brain has to be marinated in. Okay? And for some reason, there's like um, tubes that let the serotonin drip into your brain and, and keep it. it has, it's kind of weird, but it has a lot to do with your emotions and depression. And for some reason, sometimes these tubes that permit the serotonin to drip into your brain and keep it marinated and good thoughts, all of a sudden start acting like straws and suck the serotonin out. And people lose it mentally. And that's what happens to our nation if we let them suck the whole thing of Christmas out of us. We, we lose that. We're no longer marinated into that. Charlie, this is what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown, or the Perry Como. Eyes for Israel. And they want to suck that out of us, and we can't think right, live right. We don't act right. And then we hate everybody. We've got this great divide. It's absolutely essential that you fight for Christmas. Essential. John 1.14 says this, And the Lord and the Word became flesh, the bread of life, and dwelt among us. Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn King, it says. Verse 3 t- talks about peace. It says, Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Guilt is a result of a sinning soul. That gets separated from God. And when you get separated from God, you lose your peace. Nothing can give you peace. It can't. I mean, if you're all, you're all pumped, and I've said it, salt and Facebook, I got five days off, I got ten days off. Well, guess what? They come and go. They do. Or, you know, in June, I'm going to whatever great vacation that you can think of. What's going to come? You'll go and you'll be back. It, it doesn't give. Nothing can give you that peace. If I can just get that car. Well, you've had it. Probably three of them by now. Still no peace. Because the, the Bible tells us that he's the prince of peace. 
He is. And if you, if you let them suck this out of us, in, in our minds, we can't handle it and we have no peace. You can see it in the lives of the people today. Listen to what Romans 10, 11 says. This scripture is awesome. For the scripture says, Whosoever believe, believes on him shall not be put to shame. You, you won't be put to shame by believing on him. People want to shame you for believing on him. Now, mock you, make fun of you. But the Lord says this in Romans. is written to Christians in Rome. He goes, hey, you believe on me and you will not be put to shame. I mean, that is just awesome. That word shame means to see one's disgrace. I got a lot to see. Man, I could be standing pages and pages of disgrace and failure. And God says, if you believe in me, you're not going to have any of that. It means to be disgraced, to hang the head, to hide or cover the face. I'm telling you, the season, tis the season, tis the reason, and all that. We don't catch a little phrase by some Walmart bigwig. It, it does something for us emotionally. We have, haven't seen it, sensed it, or felt it for a number of years, but something Seems to be different this year. And then as I was going through this message, you know, the, wasn't it the United Nations that they just snuck that, and America went, we're not, we're not voting, we're not vetoing. What, look what's written on the wall of the building of the United Nations. What do you think's on the wall? Uh, you know, the manifesto, Karl Marx, or something, do I have my picture? Look, can you read that? That's what's on the wall. Scripture. Scripture. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. It's Isaiah. And they think because they chisel that in a rock, they're going to have peace. You can't have peace when you reject the Prince of Peace. You can put it in a wall. It doesn't matter. It's, it's the same as it doesn't matter if they yank the Ten Commandments, bust it in pieces. You still have it in here. It's the same. They can put it on there and say they're declaring peace. They, don't, they haven't done a thing. Not at all. Nothing at all. Okay, another verse is light and life to all he brings. This verse here, I don't know if celebrities down through the ages, you know, the Frank Sinatra. I don't know if they sang every verse of Hark the Herald Angel. I, I don't know. I hope they did. Because what it says, life, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by. I know you know this, but think about it. Born that man no more may die. I'm telling you, the first time ever that still can see myself in the basement of my dad's house, hearing that song, the record's playing, it's a record, little record machine playing, and it sat on top of the uh, dryer to the left. And I'm going through them, I'm going through the albums, trying to, trying to find on the back the words. And I'm going, are you kidding me? Someone wrote a song? It says, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth, 
They can't suck that out of us. Don't let them. Find that pericomo and play it for your children at Christmas and tell them, listen to this, C is for the Christ child. And this, this song just blows me away. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Was there anybody else in this sanctuary after newly saved? Did you see that? Did your jaw hit the floor? Uh, anybody? Did you're like, holy or did you always just know that? Did you always just know it? It's the question. <laughs> did you know it? Did you see it? You probably sang it. I mean, isn't that crazy? Second birth? I was in church every Christmas. I don't remember this. I don't remember seeing this, hearing this. Born to give them second birth. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait. Are they actually talking? Is this song talking about being born again? In a, in a Christmas carol? Frank Sinatra singing that? Did I need to be born again? I was just blown away. John 11 says, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. He simply says, believest thou this? I think my simple little message today is we dismiss too much stuff and don't realize the effect it's having on us. Like the, the Christmas, you know, most men probably, they don't want Christmas. But you've got to get it for what it's meant to have to be to bring us back to reboot us back you know you're a man and you're crawling under big heavy equipment and mud or digging a ditch up to your chest and year and in the rain and something but then christmas comes and it just kind of reboots you back and brings that tenderness back into your life born again man shouldn't die born again that, that second birth Hark the herald angels sing. I think it's absolutely important. You know, when, whenever anyone is forgiven, and you should forgive, whenever anyone is forgiven, rarely do we realize that someone has to pay a price for your forgiveness. You did? If... if I done something and I asked Jim Foster for forgiveness and hopefully Christian he'll say no problem thank but I I had to pay a price to give that forgiveness had to deal with my guilt or anger or whatever so whenever anyone is forgiven we don't realize the price someone pays and that's this whole we don't realize what Christmas does to us and for us Listen to this verse. I don't know whether you've seen it lately. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this in a New Living Translation. Everybody in this room is affected by this scripture. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. Every one of you have eternity planted in the human heart. Eternity. Outward. It's not eternal. We get old, we get gray, we get feeble. 
our legs, our muscles leave us, but in the heart, eternity is planted inside. And you have to make a decision what you're going to do with that. God has put it in there. So 1 John 4, 9 simply says again, In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that he would even think about loving us. God says, that's love. I'm going to ask you to stand. And I got a song by Chris Tomlin. It's Hark the Herald Angels Sing. The words are on there. You're invited to just belt it out. You're invited to come to this altar. If you want to make that song actual part of your life, you want to say, God, I want that second birth. I understand. I confess. I now understand this song, Lord. Are we ready? Hark the herald angels sing. Let's sing this as our Christmas service winds down. <laughs>